A podcast where we go one-on-one with fiction creators, such as authors, filmmakers, actors, songwriters, and more. Each episode, we get the inside scoop on our guests' creative process, the ups and downs of their industries, and our guests also give out tips and tricks that help them become successful. And now, let's jump into the episode with your host, Chris C.L. Lowry. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Fiction Addiction Podcast. My next guest was born in 1977 and grew up in Wallkill, New York. He grew up with a love of science fiction, Dungeons and Dragons, and video games, starting back with the Atari 2600. He is now married with twin daughters and lives in southern New Jersey and still loves everything he loved growing up. He's also firmly in the pineapple belongs on pizza side of the argument and feels like the 90s was only a couple years ago. Ladies and gentlemen, Will Castillo. Will, what's going on? Hey, how you doing, man? Good talking to you. Thanks for having me on. It was good. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. I guess we'll start with pineapples on pizza. We're going to start right there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I... I love my own pineapple pizza. It's my favorite pizza. I get so many sideways looks, especially like living in Jersey right now, with which is pretty much the pizza capital in the Northeast. Um, right. I'm in the, and I'm in the minority in my family. I love my pine, ham and pineapple pizza. One of my daughters does, but the rest of the family's like, no. <laughs> oh, you probably you, <laughs> you probably were ecstatic when she when you found out she loved it. <laughs> yeah. She's like, it's not bad. I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> I say, oh, I take that all day. <laughs> so, what is that like when you? What is that like when you order, and then like from, from the actual store? Are they like prepared for it? You <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, at first, like if this was like maybe ten years ago, I was like no, we we don't have pineapple. But now, I guess it's a little more. <laughs> I don't have a problem ordering it, and the place I always order my pizza from, they know me, so <laughs> it's fine. When was the first time you had it? Uh, first time I had it, I, I think I worked at Blockbuster and we were just, it was a late night. I think it was actually the night Titanic came out on video. So like, yeah, I'm dating myself, but it was like a whole <laughs> night. and we just ordered a bunch of pizzas and so we were just like, let's try that ham and pineapple. And I was like, this is my favorite pizza I've ever had in my life. Wow. <laughs> We are currently in a still in the global pandemic. We're uh, approaching the end of 2020, but we're still in it. So how have you been managing through this pandemic? Um, well, honestly, my day to day hasn't changed that much. Um, I work for a construction company and I run the uh, parts warehouse. So I've been going to work every day, but I'm alone in the office. So I've mm. had a lot of time to myself. <laughs> So I'm kind of just uh, sitting there talking to myself. I bring my switch to work. I write. I mean, it's nice, but it's it's weird, you know. Like I've had a hard time concentrating on things just because, aside from the pandemic, everything else just going on in the world. This is just a crazy year. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now being a fan of science fiction, when when this whole pandemic, um 
began and everything was all hectic and and markets were selling out and we were getting to a, a crazy point back in March and April. Like, uh, how was your reaction, your initial reaction to when everything first happened? Well, like any rational person, the first thing I thought of was like, all right, zombies. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, the apocalypse is here. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, we've, been, we've been preparing for this. So, but the crazy thing is that whole toilet paper thing. Like, why did people immediately yes. just go right to the toilet paper? Usually, like, if it's a snowstorm, you got your eggs, milk, bread. You can make some French toast. But they're like, okay, um, crazy pandemic, let's get the toilet paper. You got bigger problems. Yeah, when did toilet paper get up on the top of the list? Yeah. <laughs> now, for your, your, your love of science fiction, when did, when did that come about? Oh, absolutely, it was Star Wars. Um, I never really, yeah, I never saw the original in theaters, but I did, or like when I was a kid, but I did see Empire Strikes Back. That was like the first movie I actually remember seeing as a kid. And ever Mm. since then, it's just, that's where it's from. Like I wasn't a big Star Trek fan. I know that might anger some people, but I've always been firm. So yeah, ever since Star Wars, I just nope. kind of fell into that. I fell into Back to the Future. Um, just anything just unknown, like fantasy. I like like Lord of the Rings, things like that. I like it. Like I love D and D. Like right now, I'm playing a Wood Elf Druid in D and D. I love it. But I've always no, really. loved, like that science that's close enough that you think it's there. But like we're probably years off. Mm. I still want a hoverboard, and I'm mad we still never got hoverboards that work. <laughs> I think we were supposed to be in flying cars at this yeah, point. The Jetsons us. <laughs> they definitely lie. <laughs> we got the Tesla. Yeah. <laughs> That's the closest thing. Yeah. <laughs> so so when did your writing journey begin? I've been trying to write, like, I've always loved writing in school and things like that back in high school, but I've been trying to write a book for probably close to eight years or so, and I've started a couple, and they just never really went anywhere, just because I I got mm-hmm. bored myself with the story, so I'm like, I, or I just ran out of ideas, I wasn't inspired, so the way this book came around was, um, I was working a terrible job. I'm not going to name names, but I basically stood in place for 10 hours and put things on shelves. Um, you could probably put the dots together with that. But I'm sitting there. <laughs> I was standing there working, just letting my mind wander. And you're kind of isolated where I work. So I was wondering what decisions I made in my life to wind up where I was at the moment. Like, I've moved on from that job. Mm. But I wondered, like, what I could have done differently that put me where I am. And that's where the spark of the story came from. It's just, all right, well, in a different Earth, in a different universe, I may be a successful, like, something else. Not just standing here, wasting away in a warehouse. And that's just, that's it all snowballed from there. Like, every day, I always, it was weird, I always picked this one station to work just because I could concentrate there because it was isolated enough from everyone else that I could stand there and talk to myself all day 
and people wouldn't think I was just this crazy, insane person. And I was just coming up with stories. <laughs> right. Day. So that's where it's come mm. out of. Now, what was the what was the process like from getting the story ideas in this warehouse to the actual um, beginning of a actual story for you? Well, the first How did that was the setting. The first thing was the setting, and I knew I wanted to set it like in and around my hometown, just because I've always heard when you write write about what you know, and I live there most of right. my life, so. All the places I mentioned in the book were real places when I was growing up. And there's always like, it's like there's the bar that they hang out in, the Griffin. I used to go there. Like that was my place. I used to love that. Mm. <laughs> so that's where it's been out of. I started with the setting and then I started with, okay, he's going to be a kid in college. And from then it just kind of spun out. And when I started writing it, I honestly didn't have a clear direction of where I was going. Um, the first draft was a mess. I still have my first draft in the drawer. But um, <laughs> once I, <laughs> like the second or third chapter, I started to get the nuggets. And then every day when I went to work, I would just say, okay, Jake's in this situation. What happens next? And it just got a little wilder and wilder until it finally just all convened into a story. Hmm. Were you a writer um, growing up? Um, I used to write stories in school. Um, I did write some like D&D adventures for my friends when I was a kid. But I never really, like, I would like to tell stories. And I always read comic books. And, like, I, you know, you write fan fiction when you're younger because that's what you do. You draw pictures and you write fan fiction. Right. That's what I would do. It never went anywhere. Like, it was always a couple-page story. It wasn't anything major. But, um, yeah, so I've always liked to write and I've always liked to create. It just took me a while to focus on a story that actually, like, I don't know, like, spoke to me when I wrote it. Hmm. Now, what was the first book or author you fell in love with? I can't remember the author's name, but the book was Devil's Race. I want to say the author was Avi or something like that. I remember getting it in probably seventh grade and it was an interesting story it was just a uh i vaguely remember it now but there was like a kid i want to say he was like in new mexico or something and he comes across like his double but it's an evil double or something like that but it's like you know it's like a young adult story so it wasn't anything like too intense but i just remember that like sticking with me like i remember the cover vividly it was a purple cover there was a lightning bolt on it the writing kind of looked like Stranger Things. <laughs> so that's, that's the cover that I remember right now. I want to say it was Avi, A-V-I. I think that was the uh, author. Mm. So from that book, what was it about? What was it about that book that uh, made you fall in love? That was just like the first book I remember. Like I was, I couldn't stop reading it. Like, I just kept flipping the pages. And I probably read that book in, probably, like, in that one year, like, three or four times. Like, I just kept going back to that. And it was just, the story was interesting. And every time I read it, even though I knew what was going to happen, I still got nervous. Like, like I said, I can't remember a lot mm. of details about it, just because it's been years. But um, I just remember just being intrigued with the notion of, like, a double. 
and like an evil double and things like that. Now, now what what motivates you to write now? Right now, I <laughs> honestly I'm motivated to write now because in my head, I probably had about have about five books planned in this same story, like four more sequels. Like I'm currently really? working on the second one. Yeah, like I know where I want to go, but right now, just with everything going on, I've had a hard time concentrating on book two. Like I'm probably about I'm just starting my sixth chapter on book two, but I have mm. probably yeah four, maybe five books planned in there. Like I'm iffy on that. Like I might be able to end it at four, but it depends on where I go. Because the one thing I realized when I started writing is that I wrote an outline after chapter five. Like every chapter I wrote, I wrote one sentence, basically the direction of where I wanted to go for that chapter. I wound up changing that a few times because sometimes the story takes you in directions you weren't planning on going. Absolutely. Yeah, and it happened a few times. And I was just like, okay, I guess I'm going to hit this part now instead of three chapters from now when I wanted to, and I'll do something else then. So it happened a lot more. Once I got to like the the meat of the story, I was like, all right, yeah, things have to switch up a little bit. <laughs> so what what is your current publishing status? Are you traditionally published, independently published? I'm independently published. Um, I did choose that route after many, many, many months of research. It just seemed like, yeah, I may have my story done. And I did go through, um, write a few query letters and tried to go the traditional route. But after a while, I was like, you know what? Do I really want to wait? And if it's a story I want to tell, why am I waiting for someone else's permission to tell it? Mm. So I just decided to go my own way and do it, uh, independent. And I love it, but. It's a lot more work than I thought going in. <laughs> really? Oh, <laughs> really? Marketing, like, the mar- like writing the book was honestly the easy part. It's the marketing. and having. Oh, yeah. Oh. The marketing is the beast. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I have something planned um, coming up for the one-year one year anniversary, which is October 29th. I'm actually working with an artist on Twitter with um, some character ste- sketches and character portraits and things like that. So I'm hoping to have some. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, probably about the Ooh. time the podcast hits. Um, I'm hoping out some stuff out there, but yeah, but that's the hardest part, man. <laughs> now, what did you expect going into it? Um, going into uh, independent and publishing, how much did you know about it when you chose to take this route? Well, when I first started, I honestly didn't know that much about it. I had, I didn't have the first clue, and I researched the different ways to do it through KDP, through Ingram Spark. Um, it was, it's daunting. I watched a lot of videos. Um, Jenna Moresi and, uh, oh, I can't remember her name. I writerly. Um, I watched a lot of their videos just to get some insights into the industry, but I really didn't know anything. I knew I had a story. I knew I wanted to publish a book. Um, but I didn't know where to go from there. And those, those YouTubers actually helped me out. They're authors also. Um, Jenna Moresi writes Save Your Sister. And I believe um, I writerly, I don't remember her name, but she has the uh, Cyborg Tinkerer coming out. Those videos helped me a lot. Mm. Now, how has this journey been? You touched on it a little bit with the mar- when you mentioned the marketing, but how has the journey been from the idea to the actual physical book being released oh, last year? Oh, it's a blast. Like, I'm, I'm loving it. 
I wish I could do this full time. Like I wish I didn't have to have a real job, <laughs> but um, I honestly <laughs> do, I honestly do enjoy it. Just every time I get like one new book sale, I'm like, woo, look at that! Someone else is reading my story. Like it's exciting, <laughs> right? But, and I mean, I've gotten good reviews on Amazon. Like I'm glad that the people that have read my book enjoyed my book. Like I threw it out there, like knowing I liked it and knowing a few close people to me liked it. But um, I just didn't know how it would be received. And that's always the scariest part. It's like you're throwing mm. like, like a bird. You're throwing your baby out in the wild to see what happens. And it's doing well. So right. Makes me excited. <laughs> that makes me motivated to continue <laughs> Now, you've, I noticed you've done a lot of reaching out to book bloggers and um bookstagrammers uh so how, how was that journey what what, uh, what made you do those things because i see a lot of authors not doing it and then obviously you you did it and got a, a real good review from a couple of them so what made you reach out to them and how did you go about it um i was researching just i didn't know what to do honestly i can't i didn't come into this with a roadmap i've been flying by the seat of my pants with this whole thing and I just fell down a rabbit hole of looking for YouTubers and looking for Instagrammers and things like that. And I've reached out to a lot, a lot, never bothered to respond. But I mean, with the few that did, we struck up like a relationship. We talk every now and then we message each other. But I mean, it's just, if you don't have a clear plan at first, it's a lot tougher. I mean, these are things I wish I knew going in because honestly, it's just something I've never done Mm. before. Like I've taken my hand at trying to write stories, like I said, and it's, nuts like the story isn't the hardest part the hardest part is just getting it out there and letting people shouting and be like listen i wrote this book here why don't you check it out if you like sci-fi if you're a fan of 90s nostalgia stuff <laughs> it's, you gotta you gotta try to <laughs> where you know <laughs> right right <laughs> now you touched on obviously we talked about the, the publishing journey so how was it for you finding everything? Because for those who don't know, when you do independently publish, you have to do everything, every little step to every big step from finding editors, cover designers, and everything in between. So what was the journey or process like taking each of those steps from finding your editor? How did you find your editor to finding your cover designer? My editor I found, she want, she's actually one of my very good friends, and I didn't reach out to her to be an editor. What happened was, after I finished my manuscript, I put the first page up on my Facebook, and I'm like, oh, people that didn't know, I wrote a book, blah, blah, blah. And mm. she sent me the picture back, and she had redlined and circled all of my grammar mistakes. Because... She, oh, the red lines! <laughs> she went to school to... to um probably screenwriting and performance and things like that. So Stacy, nice. um, Stacy Carroll is just fantastic. Anastasia Carroll. I, after that, I reached out to her like, Hey, you want to be my editor? It's like, I like what you did here. And you made even my first page just sound a lot better. And that's what we did. So that was the first section was finding the editor. And I know I drove her crazy. <laughs> like she's the sweetest really? person in the world. Oh, she's the sweetest person in the world. But we would go back and forth on a few things, but I know I was constantly like, so where are you at yet? You done yet? <laughs> like, I was just excited. But, um, no, I love right, her. Right. Book two, I'm definitely going to be using her again, probably. But, um, as far as the cover goes, 
that was a funny thing because I was trying to find a cover design. And I talked to a few people and we we went back and forth. And I was like, hmm, I don't know. And I was kind of just poking around, um, just messing around with things and images, like temporary images. And I stumbled across the picture that became the cover. And it was almost exactly what I wanted. I wanted just a shadow mm. person walking into what looked like a portal in a city. And that's what that picture is. I found it. I was like, so I bought the rights to it. And that's my cover. And then I had my niece who actually did photo design. She tweaked the um, font and things like that just to fine tune it. But I honestly lucked into the cover. <laughs> there was just no way around. Once I saw that picture, I'm like, that's my cover. That's it. <laughs> so what was, what was your family's reaction when you told them that you are now an author and you released the book? Well, my immediate family, like my wife and my kids, they were excited because I did. I didn't tell them until I was probably three quarters of the way through the book because I didn't want them really. To Why is that? I didn't want them to get excited for something that I may not finish because I know me. Uh, <laughs> there's okay. been many times over the years. <laughs> there's been many times over the year where I get really excited for an idea and it just kind of peters out. But so I wanted to make sure I got at least halfway before I said anything to anybody. So. My kids helped me with some of the conversations between like Jake and Scott and Beth and things like that. Um, so they helped me tweak a couple things here and there. But my oh, that's my amazing, was, man. Yeah, my mom was supportive. Um, she, I know she has the book. I don't know if she read the book. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and my friends were like, "Oh, that's awesome!" And they picked it up and they liked it and things like that. Like I'm like, I want honest reviews. I don't want you to just tell me you like it because it's me. I'm like, fine. Like, no, really, we like. It. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah, the yeah, overall positive. But yeah, I didn't tell anybody until I was about three quarters of the way through the book. That's crazy. Oh yeah, I woke up early on my days off. Probably, I woke up probably an hour and a half before everybody else in the house and just wrote for an hour and a half. Mm. And then if anybody went out, I would write some more. It's interesting you say that because a, a lot of times people, especially with, with families, people always question, like, when do you find time to write? When do you find time to finish a book, finish a story? You just touched on it a little bit. So why why was that important? Because it sounded like you made the time to write. You know what I mean? Instead of just making excuses. Why was that important? Because a, a friend of mine, Brittany Brombacker, she's a a video game journalist. She said, you have to make the time for things you want to do, because you'll spend all this time working for someone else, making someone else all this money, making everybody else's life happier and better. But what are you doing for yourself? You're coming home at the end of the day, and you're just sitting there watching TV. You're not doing anything to better yourself. So I, I made a conscious effort to dedicate the first couple hours of my day, all my days off, to writing. And... I mean, that was the only way I could do it. And then, of course, once you start writing, then you try to find in, sneak in other parts or other times to write. So that's what I would do. I'd be sitting, oh, I got an idea. Let me go in. Or I reread what I wrote and make some edits or something like that. But yeah, I tried to definitely make the time to do it because it was important to me. Do you have a specific writing routine? Um, yeah. Well, well, with the first book, um, there's a store up the street, Wawa. It's a big chain up here in the Northeast. So I would go there 
get my breakfast burrito and my coffee, come back. I would, if I wrote the day before, I would read what I wrote to see if I missed any words or if like anything could be a little clearer. And then that, okay. I'd probably write. And my goal was usually between 700 to 1,000 words. I usually went over that. I probably hit closer to 1,500 words almost every time I sat down. Mm. Um, just because the ideas were fresh. Like, I'd be on my way home because I had an hour drive back and forth to the job I was at. And the whole time, my mind wow. was going. So. Mm. Now, you finish this book. You get it edited. You have the cover design. And you order your proof. Whether it's one, whether it's many, but then that first package comes to your house. You open it up. And it's your first physical copy of your book. Walk me through that moment. It was unlike anything else I had seen. Um, I opened the box. I was excited. I think I ordered, I want to say I ordered four proofs. I ordered one for each of us, my wife and my kids. And I ordered from two from KDP and two from Ingram Star, just because I wanted to see the publishing differences. But when I opened that book the first time, it was like, wow, I, I really wrote a book. It, I, I, I teared up a little bit. I was like, I can't believe I actually finished mm. this story. And of course, your first proof, you open it up, you're like, all right, well, I see I got to adjust the margin. I got to <laughs> see I got to, uh, yeah. right. But, um, it's still, I still have my proof copies. Like, they're, I'm never going to get rid of them. They're just like, yeah, they're imperfect and things like that. But that was my first holding in my hand my story. All right. Mm. Now, give me one piece of advice for an expiring writer. Hmm. I would say if you're not going to commit and put in the time and make it important to yourself, don't do it. Because you're just going to set yourself up for heartache and disappointment. Like, you need to make the time to do it. Even if it's sitting at work and you're kind of slow and you throw out a Facebook post like, hey, by the way, my book's out there. You always have to be marketing yourself. So if you're not going to make the time to do it, don't bother. Don't get started with it because it's going to be more frustrating than rewarding for you. Mm -hmm. Now, your book, Jake Howard, Multiverse 101. So the synopsis is, on a ninth grade field trip to Mohawk Mountain, Jake Howard discovered a mysterious portal that was going in a flash, but the image of it never left his memory. Now, about to start his junior year at State University of New York in 1997, he meets a girl named Beth. She's brooding, mysterious, and beautiful. Of course, Jake is instantly attracted to her, despite his friend Scott warning him, he has a weird feeling about her. One night, while at a local bar with friends, Jake notices his astronomy professor talking to Beth. After observing the conversation and following Beth out of the bar, Jake's tender understanding of the universe is shattered, and Jake quickly realizes that his junior year is about to be way more than he bargained for. Now, 
explain this story to everyone listening. Well, first, I forgot how wordy I was on the back of the book because I've shrunk that synopsis down. I was like, wow, I gave out the first like five chapters for free. <laughs> All right, so I think it was a good synopsis. Well, thanks. <laughs> Very good synopsis. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Jake in ninth grade, Mohawk Mountain is a real mountain up in New York, up in New Folk, New York. Um, he's up there. He kind of wanders away from his field trip group and he sees this portal. And when he sees it, it vanishes, and he nearly falls off the mountain because something, like, pulled him towards it after it closed. So his friend saves him, Scott. They've been best friends forever. And kind of brushes it off. He doesn't, he doesn't tell anybody what they saw or what he saw, but it never left him. So on his in his junior year, he's actually moving in with Scott in the dorms, even though he lives 15, 20 minutes away, um, just to get out of the house. And he bumps into Beth, and through one thing and another, it turns out that she is a protector of the multiverse from an organization called the Casters that have been protecting Earth for years, generations. Um, and there's countless other Earths with slight differences. It's actually um, based on real science called daughter universes, where like Earth is like this Earth, but there's like one difference. Almost like the show Sliders, if you guys remember the show Sliders. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, so um once Jake finds that out, there a mystery unfolds onto why Jake can interact with these things and why did he see that portal when he was in ninth grade and things like that. Like, I'm, not, I'm trying to dance around it because I don't want to give anything away. But um that's basically the problem. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now what came first with this story? The character or the setting? Um, first was just a general idea, the whole multiverse thing. After that, I was trying to pick a name that was just like an everyman name. Like he was, he's not anything special. He's very much, at least in this book, he's very much the sidekick to his own story. Like he's not, he doesn't have power. He doesn't have anything. He's just a normal guy. So I didn't kind of, one thing that always stuck with me was, um, in the movie Legends, old movie with Tom Cruise and Tim Curry, the guy's name is Jack. Like, it's not like a fantasy name. His name's just Jack. So I was like, all right, Jake Howard. That sounds like a good name. After that, I was like, all right, well, <laughs> things like that. And um, then the character's like, okay, well, his best friend is Scott. So I had to come up with a little quick thing for that. And I'm like, all right, there's definitely a girl involved, because there has to be a girl involved. But she's basically the... Always. <laughs> yeah, and she's the one that has all the power in the story, but Jake doesn't know this at first. So, yeah, I very much made the conscious decision to make him the sidekick to Beth, at least in the first book. Mm. Because now, where'd you get, where does the inspiration come from the other names? Oh, um, Professor, uh, Professor uh, Brian Klein. He, uh, Klein is on the last name of um, Ernest Klein, writer of Ready Player One, and that was a huge inspiration for me. That book is... Like, really? Yeah, I love Ready Player One. And you could, my daughters actually pointed out, they're like, yeah, you definitely like borrowed bits and pieces here. Like, I could definitely hear, because we listened to the audiobook of Ready Player One countless times. And it's like, it definitely sounds like, like Will Wheaton's reading of it. Like, you sound like that a little bit. So, Ready Player One was a huge mm. inspiration to me. Um, as far as like the names of Scott and Beth, 
it was just I was trying to think like Scott Connolly. All right, that sounds like the best friend who's a little bit of a douchebag, but um, <laughs> you love him anyway, <laughs> right? And then Beth Davenport just sounded like mysterious. Like okay, Davenport's like a mysterious sounding name, so that's where the name basically came from. Now, what what was it about 1997 that made you want to base the book in that year? I love the 90s. I mean, 90, I graduated high school. <laughs> I graduated high school in 95. Um, there's actually a few reasons why I picked the 90s. One, no cell phone. Because if you wrote that kind of mm. story now, oh, look, there's a picture of this. Oh, that, like, there's no way to have oh, yeah. proof <laughs> of all that stuff. Um, <laughs> there just, there isn't. And I just felt, I made that decision. I'm like, yeah, it has to be in the 90s just because of that reason. Like, yeah, cell phones were, like, an emerging technology, but nobody had one yet. And then mm. other things where there's just certain things, like, references to, like, video stores and the music at the time, the college radio station. It's just once I decided on the 90s, the other pieces fell into place, especially that I'm studying it in the town I grew up in. So, like, I have vivid memories of that town, like, to this day. Right, that's crazy. Now, now, growing up, speaking of the town, growing up, that name did that guy did that freak you guys out? Wallkill, New York. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Like as a little kid, like I grew up in Platykill, and then we had Wallkill, we had Fishkill. If you got lost in Wallkill, you wound up in a town called Dwarkill, which was really crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so everything because it was all Dutch up there, so everything ended in kill. Right, so right. It was, I, I think I make a joke right. about that in the book too. I'm like, I thought I lived in a very violent part of the world when I was a kid. Um, just everything was killed. Was just weird. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what it was. Just weird. <laughs> <laughs> and you also made a playlist for uh, the book. I did. What, what inspired you to do that? Um. Every day I'd sit there with Spotify on while I wrote. And because I was studying it in the 90s, I I listened to 90s music the whole time while I wrote. So I'm like, oh, it'd be kind of cool if, like... Because in my head as I was writing, I saw it as a show. Like, I was seeing the scenes. I was seeing the characters. I was hearing, like, the score in the background. So I'm like, oh, I might as well, like, just kind of make a playlist of stuff that I like to listen to while I write the book. And then as I was going... Like, Jake calls out a lot of movies and music and games in the book. And some of them mm-hmm. that he calls out are actually pertinent to the scene. Like, if it was to be made into a show, that's the scene. That, that's the music that would be playing during that scene. Um, there's a couple of key scenes with songs that, like, if you follow the playlist, it kind of goes in order. But then I kind of just put a mishmash of other stuff that I listen to. Um, but, yeah, that's why. It was just the music was a huge inspiration to the direction of the story like every now and then i'd come across a new song that would inspire me about another part of the book that maybe i hadn't even thought of. Mm. especially i'm when i'm not gonna without giving anything away once you get to uh probably the third act there's, there's a scene there that there's a song that specifically called out because of the lyrics and i'm like yeah i definitely have mm. to have that in <laughs> Now, now, obviously, with science fiction, um, lovers of science fiction, obviously, 
like you explained earlier, they like most of them like the detail, the 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 fact that it's close to grasp, but not able to. So how much research went into um this book for you? A surprising amount actually. Once I once I came up with the multiverse idea, I wanted to I knew there was different types of multiverse as far as like different theories and things like that. So I was just scrolling and I came across the daughter universes. Which is the like one change mm-hmm. you know, here can do something different here. And I was like, oh, that's kind of what I'm going for, because on another Earth there might be another Jake and Beth that never met. So how would that story roll around? That every decision that you make spawns another Earth. So it, theoretically, it could be that every decision Jake makes, whether it's good or bad is spawning an alternate outcome somewhere that may or may not come to bite him in the ass at some point in the future. Mm. And in this book, we'll do a quick insider. Yeah. Real yeah. Quick. <laughs> um, pizza, half meatball and onions, half ham and pineapple. <laughs> Have you ever ordered that before? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Because again, <laughs> ham and pineapple, I'm like in the minority when it comes to like my house and my friends. So yeah, we usually order something on the other half. Um, usually it's pepper and onions. Sometimes it's meatball and something else. But yeah, we always do a half, or we usually do a half and half, a ham and pineapple and something. By the way, my <laughs> editor absolutely is against the ham and pineapple pizza. She was so upset. Why? <laughs> she just. She cannot stand. She's like, pineapple does not belong on pizza. End of story. I, like, I'm not editing this book anymore. <laughs> She's done with you. <laughs> now, did you always know that this was going to be a series? Or yeah. did it or did just the ideas just kept flowing? I always knew it was going to be a series. Like I knew I had at least three books in me. And then as I kept thinking and thinking, I was like, no, this is going to be at least four or five because I have a lot of ideas of where I want to go. I already have through book probably three and a half plotted out. Like there's certain points that I know I have to hit and certain places where they have to go. So through three and a half, I have a rough outline of the whole story. That's where I'm like, I may go wow. five, I may just stop at four, but I'm definitely already three and a half ahead. Mm. So what 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 can we expect this next series to drop, or do you have do you have its projected year for the next um, for book two? Yeah, book two. I'm hoping to have out next year. Um, I'm hoping it's probably going to be spring to early summer. Um, that's what I'm hoping for. It may wind up being about the same time, October, worst case scenario. But I'm hoping to have it out late spring, early summer. That's my goal, anyway. And what else can we expect from you outside of the series? Expect from me outside of the series? Um, well, I mean, I play a lot of games. I'm online almost every night. So, anybody wants to find me, I'm on PlayStation, I'm on PC, I'm on all kinds of stuff. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much what I do. I, I work, I hang out with my family, I do things together. My girls are older now, so I'm, we're at that age where, like, they're looking at moving out. And so, you know, when 19-year-old girls, they think they know everything. 
<laughs> I love him to death, but oh my god. <laughs> now you going with are you going with PS5 or Xbox? I am going with PS5. Um as far as the console generations go, 360, in my opinion, beat PS3. PS4 beats Xbox One. But as far as the mm. new system, the PS4 and the Xbox Series X, which is a terrible name, um, there's, more games on PlayStation. <laughs> there's more games on PlayStation that I want to play than I want to play on the Xbox. And anything I want to play on the Xbox, I can play on my PC. So there is no upside right. to me getting an Xbox. PS4, though, I am dying for that Miles Morales game. That looks fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I, I made the decision to not stress myself out, and I'm not worrying about getting a PS5 until the spring, which hurt a little bit until I found out Miles Morales was also coming out on PS4. I was like, oh, okay. I can wait now. <laughs> I can't wait. Now speak, speaking of video games and movies and, and 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 comic books, can we expect anything or not expect, but do you have a vision for Jake Howard in the multiverse beyond books? Because just reading it, it it literally flowed like a movie. Um so do do you have a vision beyond books for this? I do. Um when I wrote it, I I pictured it like a Netflix or CW show. Like, just that kind of pace. Mm. I know the uh, CW superhero shows, they go by three tenets. I believe it's heart, humor, and heroic. That's kind of what I tried to do with uh, my book. So I would love to see it as, like, a Netflix show. After book two, my editor and I are talking about possibly working on a screenplay also alongside book three for book one. Oh, nice. So I'm hoping... Like in my head, I have the cast pick. I know who I want. <laughs> but um, by the time it gets to all right, let us know who they are. All right. <laughs> so for Jake, I ideally I would love to have Tom Holland. I think mm. when I see him, I think he'd be perfect as Jake. Um, for Scott, he's the one that like it's a little up in the air. I I think it, who's the one on Riverdale? The Dylan or Cole Sprouse, the one that plays Jughead. If everyone plays Jughead, that's what oh, I always yeah, see yeah. yeah. I always get confused with it. <laughs> um, for Beth, there's actually two actresses that I see. The first one I saw was Florence Pugh. Um, she's in Fighting With My Family. She plays um, WWE Superstar Paige. I thought she was fantastic mm-hmm. in that. And I think when I saw, when I wrote Beth, and then I saw Florence Pugh, I was like, that's the face I've been seeing while I'm writing Death, and I had no idea. Um, mm. The other actress I thought of, if Orange View is unavailable or it just doesn't happen, um, Peyton List, who, I don't know if you've seen Cobra Kai. Yes. Okay. She's Tori in season two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, she was also on that show. Yeah, good choice. <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah, that's who I would see as best. And then as uh, Professor Klein, actually, um, David Digg from Hamilton. Mm. I think he'd be great. Really good choice. Yeah. <laughs> Which I watched Hamilton. Who are you getting to direct it? Ooh, see, that, <laughs> if it's a show, it's one of those things where you can have multiple directors. Um, 
Yes, you can. Yeah. You definitely can. And one of the directors I would love would be Kevin Smith because he's good at directing people talking. Mm. Like, I think Kevin Smith has a good vibe that would fit well with this. Um, that's really the only director that springs to mind when I think of a director. Like, I, I keep being half tempted because I live in South Jersey. I keep being tempted to drive up to Red Bank and leave a copy of the book at the office. Is that? I just haven't done it yet. <laughs> uh, you, oh, you better. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely better do that. Yeah. I'm actually going up that way next weekend, so possibly. It's possible. <laughs> a book may show up. Yeah. May or may not show up. Now, tell everyone where they can order the book at and also your your social media contacts where they can reach out to you, follow your work and everything like that. Okay, yeah. Um, you can order it off of Amazon. You can also of, order it off of Barnes & Noble. Um, pretty much anywhere you buy books. That's why I went through Ingram Spark and KDP. So, yeah, just search for Jake Howard Multiverse 101. And it's available as a paperback on Kindle and as an audiobook. I got to shout out my audiobook narrator, Jake Hunsberger. Um, I went through that route. And he, once I heard his voice, I was like, this is the voice. This is fantastic. This is the voice I heard in my head. He's fantastic. He do pick up the audiobook. Um, now, now, real quick with, um, with the audiobook, how many people auditioned for the book? Um, I had about 10 people audition. And I, I put up a sample chapter. I had a few come back and I was like, all right, this is good. This is good. I like this. I didn't like that. And I was about to close the auditions. I was like, all right, I think I'm going to settle on this one guy. And then when Jake Hunsberger put in his interview, literally on the last night I had the auditions open. He read the... Oh, it wasn't him at first. Oh, no, it wasn't him and it was somebody else. Oh, wow. He got in at like the 11th hour. And once... Wow. Yeah, once I heard it, I was like, this is the guy. Like, without a doubt. So, um, yeah, Jake Hunsberger, he's on Twitter. He doesn't tweet much because I actually talked him into getting a Twitter. So, uh, <laughs> Jake. But, um, on my Twitter, I am, I'm going to say half ass ninja, but it's not spelled half ass ninja. It's H A L F A Z E D N I N J A. There's a story behind that. <laughs> so, What's the story? Oh, you got to give it to us because yeah, yeah. I'm curious right now. So, originally, my, when I played Xbox 360, um, my name was Half Ass Ninja, spelled Half Ass Ninja. So I'm playing Rainbow Six with my buddy, and all of a sudden I get booted off Xbox Live, <clears throat> and I'm like, "All right, oh." And this is like four years after having my name, I get booted off Xbox Live, <laughs> and I'm like, "All right, that's weird." So I saw, I contacted Xbox, and I'm like, "All right, well, I got booted offline, and it says I can't play right now. What's going on?" And they said, someone complained about my name. And I'm like, really? I've had this name for four and a half years. So the word ass is making somebody upset. <laughs> and they said, oh my God. So I literally <laughs> changed it to S's to a Z. And that's, I have had no worries ever. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, on Twitter, on Instagram, <laughs> on Twitter, on Instagram, on PS4, on Steam, I'm a half-ass ninja with a Z. <laughs> and then there's a Facebook page also, uh, Jake Howard Multiverse 101 on Facebook. That's my Facebook page. All right. This was the Fiction Addiction Podcast, and this was Will Castillo. Will, thank you so much, man. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you for joining us on the Fiction Addiction Podcast. Make sure you visit fictionaddictionpodcast.com for links on everything we talked about today, as well as awesome resources, additional tips, and fiction addiction merchandise.